Hey, I'm Naturalists. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to your post-Thanksgiving episode of Unnatural. We hope everybody had a great turkey day. Yes, jacked up on tryptophan. Hopefully, I won't fall asleep during this episode, but I don't think so because this is quite a doozy, as you typically say, Emily. You're not wrong. I know we've briefly touched on this in a previous episode, but for our younger audience, or maybe those outside the United States, beginning in the early 1980s and lasting through the late 90s, thousands of missing kids' pictures were printed on milk cartons. It's kind of a debate as to how successful the campaign was. Mm -hmm. Many of the kids on the cartons were never found. Or if they were, it was already too late. Yeah. In most situations, the first few hours are critical when a child goes missing. Mm -hmm. So while it was certainly better than nothing, it didn't necessarily help in locating many of the lost children. Yes. Once Amber Alerts and mobile phone notifications came out, the days of kids' pictures on milk cartons were kind of a thing of the past. It was almost obsolete. Mm -hmm. But today's case involves one of the first kids ever to be put on the back of a milk carton. And the story of how he disappeared, along with the events that transpired after his abduction, led investigators and his own parents down a rabbit hole with few answers and even more questions. This is the story of the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. Today, Emily, we are heading back to the Midwest of the United States, specifically my home state of Iowa. And this, I would say, is one of the state's most infamous cases. Anytime there's a case that involves children, as you know, we saw this when we covered Lyric and Elizabeth a while back. It seems like there's, I would say, an extra amount of significance placed on it, and for good reason and also an extra amount of stress on the community as a whole to see whoever abducted the kids, killed the kids, is brought to justice. Mm -hmm. The community we're focusing on is West Des Moines, Iowa. It's a suburb of Iowa's largest city and capital, Des Moines, and a fairly well-to-do town. It still is, actually. On September 5th, 1982, 12-year-old Johnny Gosh lived with his parents and older brother in a quiet neighborhood. Johnny, by all accounts, was a good kid. His teachers said he was an above-average student, he was easy to make friends with, and he was pretty responsible for his age. So responsible that he began operating his own paper route for about a year up until the time of his disappearance. Good for him. Did you ever have a paper route as a kid? No. I didn't have one, but I helped out a few times. I was terrible at it. And no, I was I was never a paper boy. But now I write 
the paper. <laughs> That's true. So <laughs> it comes full circle for you. So each and every Sunday morning, Johnny would deliver around 75 papers to subscribers of the Des Moines Register, which is the largest newspaper in the state. Most days, his dad would go with him, it sounds like. He would wait in the car at a distance while Johnny would sling each paper onto each doorstep. But on occasion, his dad would either be working or have something else going on, so John Sr. would leave it up to Johnny to deliver all the papers himself. Johnny would wake up at 5 a.m., take the family dog along, get its walk in at the same time, kind of killing two birds with one stone, and make his deliveries. I would say for a 12-year-old kid, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, my 12-year-old would never. (laughs) So this was one of those days where his dad wasn't able to come along. Johnny's older brother woke him up at five before he himself was heading off to work. And Johnny diligently got dressed. He grabbed some breakfast for himself and headed out before sunrise with the dog. Even the gosh's neighbor, Lawrence Headland, heard the screeching and grinding of Johnny's radio flyer wagon as it stumbled onto the sidewalk. One might say he skedaddled out of the house in the dark. With the well, dark. you better skedaddle because those people, especially some of the elderly folk, yeah, they want those papers right when they get up in the morning or they're going to be seriously pissed off. Yeah, I was going to say the old folks will stand at the end of their driveways in their blue furry robes with their slippers on and coffee mug in hand and they're just like And even And even if you're one or two minutes late, they're probably talking to their neighbor about you saying, kids these days, they got no respect. Back in my day, we walked uphill both ways delivering the paper. Get off my lawn. Mm -hmm. So John Sr. arrived home a short time after his son had left. And around 745, he received a phone call from an annoyed customer who hadn't gotten his paper yet. Yep. Now, this was odd because John knew that his son had left about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes before this. Right. And he had never just abandoned his paper route before to go goof off or hang out with his friends or anything like that. But what was even more troubling to John Sr. was that the family dog had come home by itself (gasps) with its leash still attached to its collar. Oh, no. And I imagine when he saw the dog come home without his son, that's when he started to probably freak out a little bit. There was one time when my dad took one of the horses out for a ride who was like a relatively new horse hadn't been ridden a lot and the horse came back without him and my mom and i were like what the fuck and then he ended up like the horse got spooked my dad got bucked off and then like my dad was just like walking back but wow sounds like he was very lucky i don't have to tell you this being somebody who grew up around horses but horses can do some serious damage if you're not careful So, Johnny's dad still wasn't, I would say, overly concerned 
Like I mentioned, they lived in a well-to-do neighborhood, and crime was virtually non-existent in this town. So he found where Johnny had left his remaining papers in his wagon, which was a few blocks away, and decided to finish his route for him before those pesky neighbors got upset and wanted their money back. Probably muttering under his breath the entire time about how Johnny was going to get it when he gets Goddamn home. Goddamn fucking kids just skedaddled off, went off to do some bullshit, not delivering his goddamn paper. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. That'd probably be what I would say, too. Something along those lines. But when John Sr. got home around 8.30 and his son Johnny still hadn't arrived home, that's when the alarm bells started to go off. And after speaking with his wife, Noreen, they decided to call the police and report Johnny missing. Yes, they should. The West Des Moines police arrived at the Gosh's home around 9 a.m. that morning. And almost right away, John Sr. and his wife, Noreen, were kind of stricken at just how nonchalant and almost complacent the officer was. As to why Johnny went missing, the officer offered a few different theories. Number one, he said maybe he ditched his paper route to go do something else, whether it was hang out with friends, go to the park, take his quarters to the arcade, whatever. Or two, and this is the one that police were really, I would say, headstrong about from the very get-go. They had thought Johnny had run away from home. Such bullshit. I have said it before. I will say it again. I can't stand these officers who are like, well, maybe this person did this. Maybe this person did that. Do you know them? No. Like their family member is coming to you being like, this is not right. This is not them. So fuck you. Yeah, I agree. Just jumping to conclusions right away. Not exactly the way you want to start out a case. Mm -hmm. And the Gashas quickly dismissed both of these theories by noting how responsible Johnny had been with his paper route up until that point and how he had never once ran away. Nevertheless, until Johnny had officially been missing for 72 hours, which was the law back then, the police would not consider him a missing person. Now, one helpful thing that the police did do, though, was question the other newspaper deliverers who had been out that Sunday morning. All five of those delivering papers that morning met up at the same corner to grab their share before setting off that day. One of the other paper boys named Mike was picking up his own papers when he spotted Johnny walking his way. Except, Johnny wasn't alone. Right at that moment, Mike also noticed a blue two-door Ford Fairmont mm -mm. that had stopped next to Johnny Gosh. Mm -mm.
Johnny only spoke to the driver in the car for a few moments, it seems, before it drove off in the other direction. But just a few minutes later, another paper deliverer named John Rossi saw Johnny pick up his papers for his route when again, the blue Ford Fairmont slowly approached Johnny, rolled down one of its windows, and the man inside began to speak to him. Now, I think it's important to mention here, Rossi was the only adult among the paper deliverers that day. And he later noted that the encounter between Johnny and the driver of the Ford Fairmont was a bit out of the ordinary. It just felt a bit off. He said he believed the man was asking Johnny for directions, but also remarked that he seemed kind of messed up, like he was on some kind of uppers or who knows what. Crack. Yeah, maybe. So not only was this a little odd to see in the affluent town of West Des Moines, Iowa, but also remember it's six o'clock in the goddamn morning, not something you're expecting to see at that time in this small town. A few moments later, Johnny waved for Rossi to come join them and help give the man directions. But Emily, as soon as Rossi headed toward that vehicle, the man sped away whipped a u-turn and then sped off say Say it with me sus sus that's nice super sus now shortly after that happened mike the teenager who had originally spotted johnny speaking to the driver of the ford fairmont noticed a man of broad build with a mustache walking in between two houses in Johnny's general direction. Mm-hmm. It's us. Also, around that time, a neighbor remembered hearing a car door slam loudly. It was so loud, in fact, that he got up and looked out the window to see what the hell was going on. And wouldn't you know it, he caught a glimpse of a Ford Fairmont speeding off and running through a stop sign. Mm-hmm. A short time later was when Two other delivery boys noticed Johnny's wagon with most of the papers still inside, but Johnny was nowhere to be found. Once his parents put the pieces together that Johnny was missing, they convinced local police, state troopers, and even law enforcement from nearby communities to put together a thorough search party that very afternoon. Yeah. Even many in the community began to join in as word had quickly spread about the missing boy, but sadly, nothing was found that day. By the next day, the media had alerted the entire Des Moines metro about Johnny's disappearance, and over a thousand people joined in on the search. In a sense, they were lucky since it was Labor Day and most people had all day to search. Yeah. They combed through the ditches, wooded areas, nearby parks, really anywhere you can imagine, but still no sign of Johnny Gosh. By the time Tuesday rolled around, the Des Moines Register newspaper had offered a $5,000 reward for information on Johnny's disappearance. A sketch of the possible abductor was also done, showing a white man with a broad build and a mustache. However, at the time, police didn't want 
to release the sketch because they didn't want the public to be panicking. So throughout the next several days and weeks, several odd things began to happen. First, a self-proclaimed psychic who had success, actually, in finding missing individuals in the past contacted police and said that she believed Johnny was alive, at least for the time being, and being kept in a dark room. But she said time was running out. Also, police began sending out pictures of the possible vehicle that had been used in Johnny's abduction. The pictures went out to many of the law enforcement agencies throughout the state of Iowa, and they were even sent to neighboring states. Investigators also began interviewing everyone that knew Johnny to get possible leads as to who may have taken him and what his mindset was like leading up to his disappearance. Just a week later, another Iowa boy went missing. Now, this was around 200 miles away from where Johnny was last seen. Initially, the media and the public began to connect the dots on the two cases, and some feared that the same predator who had possibly taken Johnny Gosh had also taken this 14-year-old boy named Sean Jacobson. A short time later, though, this proved to be false, as it was determined that Sean had stumbled upon an old refrigerator inside a barn, inadvertently locked himself inside, and sadly died of asphyxiation. Just kind of a terrible side note to this story. So, Emily, September turned into October, and police were mainly treating this still as a missing persons case Mm -hmm. rather than a kidnapping, which, as you can imagine, infuriated both Noreen and John Sr. Right. I mean, the kid showed absolutely no signs of depression or unhappiness, as we mentioned, and he had never ran away before. Yet some with the West Des Moines Police Department still were clinging to this belief that he had run away. One of the best pieces of evidence to the contrary that was pointed out was, would Johnny really take the dog with him if he was intending on running away? It probably wouldn't even occur to him. Yeah. Now, later on, they eventually heard from a man named Kenneth Wooden, who was an expert in cases such as Johnny's from Iowa State University. And Mr. Wooden explained the Gosh's worst fears to them. He said that their son was almost certainly kidnapped, and it was likely at the hands of a pedophile. He also let them know how important it was for them to keep Johnny's story in the public eye. Otherwise, the public and the media and even law enforcement might lose interest and the likelihood of finding Johnny would decrease dramatically. Yeah. So that's what they did. They went on local and even national media whenever they could. And while there were numerous reports throughout the country of possible sightings of Johnny Gosh, None of them really amounted to much of anything. They even asked the West Des Moines police to bring in the FBI for additional support. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a pride thing or what, but the police chief of West Des Moines axed that idea. The weeks turned into months, and sadly, the months 
turned into years. It wasn't until almost two years later, in August of 1984, that a potential lead turned up in the worst way possible. 13-year-old Eugene Martin was also a paperboy and was working a route only a few miles from where Johnny had disappeared. And Emily, Eugene went missing under strikingly similar circumstances that for me personally do Mm-mm. not seem like a coincidence here. It's a little bit suspicious. That is crazy though. Definitely, definitely a pattern. Yeah, for sure. Definitely pointing at signs of a pattern, possibly a connection here. Yeah. Were there like reports of similar vehicles seen? That I don't know of. I didn't get too into the weeds with the Eugene Martin case, but yeah. from what I read about it, it doesn't seem like there was ever a Ford Fairmont mentioned there. And to be honest, by that point, two years later, I'm guessing that whoever abducted Johnny had ditched that Ford Fairmont a long time ago. And also, that wasn't the last of it either. In March of 1986, yet another Iowa paperboy, 13-year-old Mark Allen, also from Des Moines, completely vanished from his paper route. So we have three paper boys who go missing in strikingly similar circumstances in a span of four years from the same general area. Was there a connection with these three paper boys from the Des Moines Metro? What happened to the Ford Fairmont that was seen driving away from the neighborhood when Johnny went missing? And what would happen 15 years after Johnny disappeared? that would shake this case to its very foundation. Find out next week for part two of our series on the disappearance of Johnny Gosh. You're a fucking dick. I know. You didn't warn me this is going to be two parts. Totally a dick move. You didn't tell me at all. I didn't warn you. I'm sorry. But all the more reason to tune in next week, right? I will say there's definitely going to be a few things that you're not expecting that pop up in part two of this podcast. It's just one of those cases. I remember hearing about this all throughout my childhood. In fact, this is one of those cases, I think, that led us as a society, one of many cases, to guard our children a little bit more. Yeah. To make sure we knew where they were at all times. It's cases like this that are probably a big reason why parents are so much more fearful these days, I would say. absolutely. And then, you know, the kids don't listen to you, like mine. I was going to say, do you have some experience with that? Yes, very much. (laughs) Well, if you have kids that don't listen to you and you want to complain about that, or if you want to theorize about this or any of the other cases we've covered, 
you can always head on over to our socials. Yes. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Unnatural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Also, consider signing up for our Patreon page where you will get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. As well as supporting us along this journey for just $3 a month. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And if you want to support us for free, you can always do so by being sure you rate, subscribe, follow, and most importantly, share us with your friends. We like those five-star ratings on Apple and Spotify, by the way. We do. They're our favorite. Anything less is acceptable, but we will, I don't know, curse you. In the meantime, make good choices. And don't get got. Bye. didn't want to release the sketch because they didn't want the public to be panicking. The panic should be publicing. Don't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Panic should be publicing. That's an all-timer. I can't believe I said that. Gee, I wonder if that one's going in the outtakes. (laughs) I can't believe I said the public should be panicking. I'm crying. And unabashed the officer was? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um I guess that's the sequel. <laughs> Kind of, it, it kind of makes it worse because dachshunds, I mean, they need, like, help going everywhere, it seems like. So, do you want to know a really funny side story about dachshunds? What? So, do you remember those um, charm bracelets that were all the rage? I don't think I have mine anymore. But, like, they had little, they were, like, little squares and, like, you could buy little charms and they, like, linked together. Yeah. So, like, they weren't dangly charms. They were just, like... Yeah, I think I got an ex-girlfriend one of those or something. Okay, so my mom had one. Yeah. We were in California on vacation. (laughs) And she's so excited because she's like, oh, look at this little charm that I got. And I look at it and it says, I heart my dachshund. Did she have a dachshund? No. (laughs) And and that's what I said. I was like, I love my dachshund. And she was like, what? I thought it said husband. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you crushed her with that. Yeah. Yeah. So wait, how did who gave that to her? Or did she She buy- bought it herself because she thought she said it, she thought it said I love my husband, but it said I love my dog. <laughs> Do you ever remember seeing your mom wear it again after that? I don't think she did. I think she I think she like I don't I don't know if she kept it. Can you, I'll have uh, to ask her. Can you do an update for us next next podcast? And we need. We I'll need, forget. I'm gonna just gonna ask her when I go over there today. Okay. I'll record it. Yeah, we need some resolution here. You're freaking me out because you're 
I can hear you, but your face is frozen. So you're just like smirking at me and you're <laughs> not <moving laughs> on the <Well>. Zoom. 